Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Jason Wells, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I guess we should start by mentioning that you and I connected through Lily Cameron. Yep. How do you, how do you know Lily? Uh, so um, we're actually partnered with them, or we're working to be partnered with them through Mechanics of Faith so we can start supporting their clients. And their clients typically are folks that have left uh, trouble overseas, and they're looking for a, a fresh start here, and most of them don't speak the language. Uh, they may have advanced degrees, but they don't qualify here in a lot of cases, and so they're their world's been turned upside down, and, and uh, there are folks like Lily and you that uh, help them build a foundation here so they can uh, build a better life. Yeah, and, and and to be honest, I didn't realize how much of a need that was, right? Um, you know, we just recently started working with them and, and some other folks um, in, in that in that space. Um, and, I mean, it's huge. We actually recently just donated a car um, to a refugee that was here um got a job and everything like that and we we work with reestablished richmond as well um and we, we donated a car through them so <clears throat> excuse me so yeah i mean i had no idea you know it's one of those things out of sight out of mind you know um which we're going to talk about you know shortly here with mechanics of faith as well um you know a lot of people don't think about some struggles that are really going on around us because we're just you know we're stuck in that daily that daily grind we're, we're, we're dealing with our own stuff and we're happy when we have a good day dealing with our own stuff. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Did you grow up in Hanover County? Yes, sir. I grew up, I graduated at the high school um, and I moved a mile away from my house. I live over on Lee Davis Road now. <laughs> so wait a minute. Where you live now, where you grew up, they're about a mile apart. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up, I grew up over by uh, off of Meadowbridge Road and now I live off of Lee Davis Road. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm laughing because uh, I grew up in Ashland. I'm not a mile away, but I'm I still have an Ashland address, and I'm 54. So, yeah, yeah. That, that you you went to Atley High School. Uh, does Atley High School have a nickname that you're willing to share on a recording? Bratley. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that when I was there. <laughs> oh, it's that's a more recent thing. So it was just starting when I went there. I mean, when I, when I went there, I mean, me and my buddies were the guys that were showing up in like Chevy Novas that were half falling apart, you know, or showing up in cars that were so low. I mean, so low to the ground, we could barely get in the parking lot. You know, we, we were still doing some of that. We weren't, you know, we, we weren't driving around and, and BMWs and stuff, which is where some of that term came from. Cause a couple kids that went there you know and whatnot but my my buddies and i we we're the ones you know in the garage on on friday night saturday sunday sand in a car and uh and modifying them and that's where my passion for cars came how old were you when you started doing that <sighs> probably about right around 15 my buddy's dad well, was a car guy <clears throat> he actually built um a um yeah, Chevelle um, from the frame up. And so Ooh. I used to hang out with him a lot. Still hang out with him now. He's a great dude. Um, but, you know, his dad was real big into cars. So even before I had my license, you know, we'd be in the garage goofing off with him. My my, my family, um, I'm lucky if my dad even knows what a battery is. <laughs> I'm like your dad. I'm more like your dad. 
Well, and he tells me all the time, he's like, you always give me a bad rap because, you know, you make it sound like I don't know anything about cars. I said, Dad, you don't because you got me. And the only thing you ever do is just call me. And he goes, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he goes, I don't need to know when my son just shows up. <laughs> I think it, what he said is he has the capacity to know more, but he doesn't have to. Correct. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So uh, before you were 15, were you playing a bunch of sports growing up? No, not really. I mean, I was a basketball kid. I'm six three. Um, I played a lot of basketball. Um, and then I was a big um big swimmer. Really? Swim swimmer yep. from uh eastern or central Hanover County. That's that was a thing. Oh yeah, man. Um actually uh one of my buddies that I, I, I like to tell everybody, um, I, I actually used to beat him in swimming. Um, he actually qualified for the Olympics. Oh wow. Yeah, Wait, he went to this area. Yeah, yeah. He went to Lee Davis. Oh, my um, yep. So uh, I swam for uh, Mechanicsville uh, Recreation uh, Association, MRA, the Marlins. And um, yeah, man, big time swimmer. Did he win uh, a medal? He he qualified and didn't go. What? Um, yeah, he's, you know, I've lost touch with him. That's the, the conversation my mom had with his mom and stuff. But, but you know. Long story short, it was one of those things where he ate and bred and breathed swimming so much that he just he was done, you know. Because qualifying, just qualifying, doesn't mean you go to the Olympics next, right? Like my swim coach back in the day for MRA qualified for the Olympics as well, and like she was saying, she goes, "Once you qualify, it's not like you qualify and it's like, all right, sweet, I'll see you guys next year for the Olympics." Like now, your training starts. Right. You qualified. Yeah. Now you got to win. And he and he he was like, I, I'm not I'm not doing it. You know, I thought I wanted it, but I don't want it. I mean, just to qualify, imagine there that's countless hours in the pool. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, oh, he he was the he was, a like I said, a buddy of mine. I mean, he would get, get up at four thirty in the morning before school and go to go to swim. And then when he got out of school, he'd go swim for two, three hours. That's crazy commitment. That was in high school. He went, on a a, he went on a scholarship. Uh, he went on a scholarship to college after high school. It, it was crazy. That was back when when you had track and you had back and you know the the winter swim team. Oh yeah, man. It was it was it was it was big, it was big deal. Um I didn't do all that. So he was swimming, it sounds like year round and hours every day. Oh yeah. Oh, lived it, lived it. Yeah, I, I joke uh, a fair amount about swimming. I'm like, humans aren't meant to swim, you can't breathe underwater. Like what are people doing? I don't understand it. Now I, I get that it's uh, it's it's wonderful to get in shape, right? You you're, you're going to be in fantastic shape if you swim a lot. But man, the whole notion of being underwater and barely have your mouth above the water to be able to breathe—it just seems like a whole a wholly uncomfortable uh, yep. thing. I used to I used to swim my my fifty freestyle with with uh, one 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 or two breaths, one breath going up, one breath coming back. That was it. That, your lungs had to be in amazing shape, man. Not anymore, man. <laughs> I get windy going to the mailbox. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm guessing free was good for you because you're tall, and I imagine you have long limbs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Did you do anything else besides the free? Oh, I did all of them. Uh, breaststroke was my was my my choice if I had to swim it. Um, breaststroke and free were kind of the 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 ones I dominated in. Breaststroke's uh, kind of the—I wouldn't say the opposite, but it's very different than uh, freestyle, right? Yeah, you look like a frog. 
it, it doesn't seem like a uh, a great way to go somewhere fast. Well, it depends. The way I swam it, I did. <laughs> but your your free time was faster in the fifty or the hundred than it was. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I actually broke an eight year league record uh, doing freestyle, and like eight years ago, a buddy of mine, his kids actually went to championships, and he said I still held the record. Wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, man, that's pretty cool, man. Can we hang? Like, because he had the record book. I was like, we need to hang this on my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the doing four or five hours a day year round was just not something that you said, hey, that's not how I want to spend my time. No, I, no, because I, I did, um, you know, because my buddy did it and he, you know, but that just, that wasn't for me. He, um, you know, he did, um, it was just too much for me. You know, I played basketball on in the summertime, and I swam. I did rec ball, and then I played ball, uh, basketball in school. Um, you know, I was an extreme sport person, a lot of skateboarding, snowboarding, uh, BMX, biking, stuff like that. So I had my other sports. And, you know, when, you're, when you make a commitment to something, you know, you've got to really commit. You can't, you, can't, you know, um, just dip your toe in it. And I just you know, I did so much other activities that I just didn't want to sacrifice just for one thing at that particular time. Yeah. I, I think variety is the spice of life. And uh, I mean, I, I admire the people that can be that committed to something, but it's, it's definitely not for me. It sounds like it's not for you. Oh yeah. Well, I'm changed now, man. Mechanics of faith. I'm, I'm all in. Well, you found your thing to be completely focused on. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. right. So uh, extreme sports, Makes me think that you may have broken a few bones. Nope. You've never broken a bone doing any of that stuff. Nope. But I've had concussions. <laughs> no, I've, I, had, so I've had enough concussions to where now if I black out, it, I don't even, I don't even, if I wake up and I'm like, you know, down the end of my, well, not anymore. I don't do it. But I, I've had so many where I used to get up and I'd be skateboarding and I'm like, where am I? Wow. From where I fell and blacked out, yeah. My mom says that's not healthy, but I think your mom's right. <laughs> My wife. Well, I married a nurse, so I'm okay. Well, yeah, you. Well, that was smart. That was really yeah. smart. Uh, out of those extreme sports, what was your favorite? Oh, uh, skateboarding. I mean, I I skateboarded religiously, um, nonstop. Uh, you know, my my buddy uh, had a huge half pipe at his house and um you know we would it was nothing for us to skateboard three days straight man into the night and everything what was it about skateboarding that was so attractive to you agility mm. you know it was the it was the you know you can't you can't just and i'm not saying other sports you can or other things you can but i enjoyed the constant the constant growth right you're always you know, you, you, you can ollie, which is where you jump the board and, you know, you jump over something. All right. Now I want to jump over something bigger. Now I want to jump over something bigger. You know, it was always, it was always, let's, let's see what we can do next. Right. There was never an end in sight when it comes to skateboarding back in those days, man, it was like, you know, Chad Musket, um, shoot, Tony Hawk wasn't even crazy popular then, but like those guys, it was always like, Oh man, he just ollied a, all the way down a 15 foot, you know, flight of steps. Well, after he did that two days later, you're hearing about someone trying to do a 20, you know, 20 steps, you know what I'm saying? So it was always, it was always something. There's always growth opportunities. It was always, 
you know, how can we do it better? What was the toughest trick you ever pulled off on a skateboard? I don't even remember, man. I was just talking to my daughter about skateboarding. I can't. I used to be able to ollie like ridiculously high. Like I, I could just about jump my board. Actually, not just about. I could jump my board onto the hood of a car and skateboard off it. Mm. And how are you propelling yourself to get to that height with the the board intact? The board with you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the way you move your feet. You pop it up. You pop it up, and then push down on it and get some height on it. It looks uh, incredibly complicated to me. It's simple. Yeah, I can't believe you haven't broken your your lower leg. I, 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 the worst I ever did was I sprained my leg so my foot so bad my ankle that um the whole like my whole foot was blue. My mom thought I had broken it and it was just a sprain. Uh, it's probably the, the severest sprain you could probably have short of breaking it. And then I went to basketball trials three days later. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. <laughs> well, you you couldn't try out playing point guard. Dude, I was though. limping like nobody's business, man. But dude, I don't stop, man. And I, I I still to this day, my wife can't stand it. I um, I was working on something in my yard, and my left ankle is still pretty weak. Um, and um, I turned it, and I thought I broke it because I heard it crack. And excruciating pain. And I had, I'm home by myself. I had somebody dropping off a car for a veteran donation. I called my neighbor. My neighbor sees me outside, like laid out on the driveway. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, my ankle. And he gets me up and he goes, we got to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, not yet. I was like, go inside. I need you to get the two pieces of paper I just printed out. I said, bring me a pen. I said, I got somebody coming in a couple minutes to donate a car. I was like, go do all that. So I filled out the paperwork, got the keys to the car, um, got everything squared away with them, and then he took me to the hospital. Mm. So is that you have a high pain threshold plus you've made commitments and you want to see them through? Is it a combination of those two things? Absolutely. Else? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if everybody. But if I see my own blood, I'll pass out. <laughs> You don't like blood, huh? My wife thinks it's the weirdest thing ever. I had back surgery, and you know that the doctor was like, you know, don't don't be doing too much, and you know I'm up moving around a lot better than than they had expected and whatnot. And he was like, man, like you said, he was like, man, your pain tolerance, you know. I said, well, I was like, you know, I hurt, but you know, I'm good. I didn't take any, you know, no medicine or anything like that because I'm, you know, I work with recovery guys. I've seen the other side of the the beast, and and I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, no, I'm good, man. I don't even want it. I don't even want it. And, um, you know, but man, if I see my own blood, I'm, I'm hitting the floor. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, my dad is a uh, combat veteran in Vietnam in Desert Storm. And if he sees blood, he, he can't handle it. He has to walk away from it. Yeah. Oh, I can see other people's blood, just not my own. Yeah, I guess it's his own, too. Yeah. So there's no walking away. He just, yep. I, I, think, I think he still has to look away, though. Yeah, man. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, that's wild. Completely right. By the way, uh, if everybody had that level of commitment to other people, this world would be a better place, right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's hard not to. All right, so you go to, we'll call it Atley. Um, since you were not driving a Beamer or anything, I won't I won't uh, refer to it as Bratley. 
And that wasn't a thing, it sounds like, when you were there, at least not entirely. Um, what were your ideas for what you were going to do after high school when you were, say, like a junior in high school? Um, so professional skateboarder? No, so I actually um, – so I have a learning disability. So I tend to excel at um, technology. Um, so, you know, when I graduated high school, I actually left – I was actually working at a semiconductor plant in high school. Um, I worked for Infineon Technologies. Uh, and I did that. And then when I left high school, I actually went from there to civil engineering doing, uh, the gas line renewal for the city of Richmond. So like all the, all those little, those weird little fenced in areas that people see where the gas line comes out the ground. I designed all those, uh, for the city of Richmond in 3d. Hmm. Um, and then I left there and went to start designing embassies for the government. And this is all, were you self-taught for most of this? Uh, I took AutoCAD classes from Glenn Gardner um, and Mr. Kettner um, at Atley High School. Okay. Um, so you, you, you were school trained, but it sounds like there was a lot of learning just by doing. Yeah, hard work. Yeah, so you were working right away, right after high school. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> Shoot, I was, I was in my own place at 20. Yeah, so have you always had that kind of work ethic? Always. Always. Yeah, I, I'm. if you wanted to live with your parents at uh, right after high school or at age, not right after high school, we'll say age 23, were your parents got a parent said no way, figure it out? Uh, 25 was our mark growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's reasonable. Parents, uh, some parents anyway, forget that their job is to help their kids become independent. Yep. And unless you have goals like out of the house by 25, uh, some kids aren't going to do it. And you're going yeah, to be with you in the my, 30s. My dad apparently read a statistics back in the day that said after, a child after 25, um, it, it's harder for them to move out after they've reached, after they're still in the home after, after 25. And he just kind of stuck with it and said, look, 25. Now, my sister got engaged at 25, so she didn't move out till she was 26, but different. You know, she was, she didn't move out till she got married to move into their house with her husband. Like that, that's a different scenario. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so wait a minute, you went from being a high school kid. How old were you when you were designing embassies? 20. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Two years later, you're designing U S government. 20, maybe 21. Maybe I was 20. Maybe I was 21. 2021. Well, yeah. So you were naturally good at it. You, you were curious about it. Sounds like uh, you were willing to spend a lot of hours doing it to become really, really good. Cause you're not going to get a government contract like that or be a part of that without uh, being really good at what you do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very tech savvy. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I went from there to, construction design. Um, I went from construction design. I've done sales and marketing, selling um, a technology, uh, technical uh, online systems, you know, went from there. I've run, I've run a Napa store, uh, went from there to back to semiconductor. And then I went back to civil engineering. And then I went to uh, a manufacturing company where um, I run a design team now. So that's that's your full time job running that design team. Yep. And you yep. do mecha mechanics of faith in your spare time. Uh, I do mechanics of faith. Yep. 
in, in between uh, a busy schedule of being a father of three, a husband, um, seminary school, pastor of a church, and everything else. Yes. So I'm lucky to have uh, an hour of your time tonight. You should feel special. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I absolutely do. Wait, all right. So I, I there, that was a lot right there. And we talked about this before the recording. Uh, let's talk about your uh, journey to uh, becoming a pastor in seminary school. Uh, and I imagine you, you weren't always like that. I think you basically told me you weren't always uh, a man of deep faith, but you are now. T tell yeah, me about I mean, game. yeah, back in the day I wasn't. And I mean, I'll tell you, you know, we, we, we stepped back six years ago, um, you know, and shoot, really 10 years ago. And I was um, fixing cars for people in need. Um, so not even talking about being a pastor, but just, you know, community service. And, you know, my wife and I at the time were going to church and it was like, yeah, OK, you know, we're going to church. We're, we're you know, whatever um, was kind of our mindset. You know, we know we need to be there, but why? And, you know, I was fixing cars for people in the community, you know, at, at a low cost, trying to help people out. And then I uh, went to a different church, got a little bit more plugged in. Faith was growing. My wife's faith was growing. Um, and then from there, found it and started Mechanics of Faith with a buddy of mine um, who we've re who just a few years ago, we lost to cancer. Um mm -hmm. So, you know, Mechanics of Faith kind of blossomed from there um, a little over five years ago. And then about three years ago, uh, I finished getting my bachelor's in business. And something was like, you need to go to seminary school. You need to have a piece of paper. You need to be forced um, to, 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 to study more about you know, about Christ and, and how to build a church and how to do this and how to do that. And so, you know, I went, I'm, I'm still in seminary school at Liberty University. I'll be done this year, but you know, that's kind of the blossoming of mechanics of faith, um, which is, you know, the non-religious um, organization that supports the community with automotive repairs. And we did that intentionally. Um, when I founded it, a lot of people were like, well, it's Mechanics of Faith. It, it's a church. And I said, no, no, it's not a church. Um, I understand why you think it's a church, but it's not. Um, because I don't ever want anybody to feel that they're coming to a church and that they're going to be judged. Um, we're founded on Philippians 2.4, which says, look not to the interest of yourself, but to the interest of others. Um, others being the key word, right? Um, it doesn't say Christians. It doesn't say whites. doesn't say blacks. doesn't say Asian. It doesn't say anything. Others is a ginormous umbrella, right? Um, so for me, I really wanted to make sure people understood you come here, you're welcome. We have had volunteers that are um, non-believers. We have had volunteers that have been one of... Uh, part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and they're all loved, right? We, we, we're not here. We're, we're all loved because they want to be a part of something that's giving back to the community. And that's our focus right now. I, I am a pastor of a church called cars in Christ. And we do, we're, we're, we're slowly building it to where we do a small car show. 
on Sundays at four, and then we do worship at five. But nowhere in Mechanics of Faith do we talk about the church. Do we force people or encourage people or make them feel like, wow, I went to Mechanics of Faith to get help, but all they really did was push me into church. Because, you know, just like you just talked about, kind of how I built my life was on works. And faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And I believe that instead of going out and pushing our belief in Jesus and our belief in Christ and our ideology on people, I want to do that through works. I want people to see, man, why are you helping me, man? And I can say, well, I, you know, and, I, and, and once somebody asks me, why are you doing this, Jay? I say to them, because I believe God told me this is what I needed to do with the rest of my life. Right. And I leave it at that. I'm not sitting here. Let me show you the scripture. Right. Because I don't believe in that. I, I never have believed in it. Um, you know, even as a, even now, you know, connecting with more churches and more pastors, like I'm still against that. Um, because I don't believe that anyone should be guilted or pushed into the seats of a congregation, right? Like even at my church now, we we don't push the tithe. We don't push, we talk about it, but it's not a push because it's biblical. It says Jesus wants a happy giver because if you, if you don't give happily and you feel forced to do what you're doing, then you're no, then you're no better than not giving at all. Right. So, so I don't want anybody to ever feel forced or pressured or anything, um, you know, and, and that's how that's how it's, it's all been formed. And that's how we we run Mechanics of Faith today. Um, and to be honest, Mechanics of Faith currently is run by three, um, three recovery guys. And when you say recovery guys, you're talking about either alcohol or drugs or both. Both. Yep. Yeah. And it's probably helping them in their recovery. I imagine. Um, I have had, um, try not to get emotional, but, um, two guys that my shop manager, Tony and my lead tech, Danny, um, had a conversation with somebody, both. I was in the room, but these both were independent interviews with this, a gentleman talking about, wanting to what you know what do you want to do with your life and and how do we want to set some things up and what financially can we support you with and they got down to the question around you know who's your sponsor um you know who's going to help guide you through this process um and and both of them you know said almost the exact same thing um and said that you know um jason um they said without mechanics of faith without coming here every day and, and volunteering and giving my time um, to mechanics of faith and, and having Jason come to, cause we'll shut, we shut the shop down. If one of them has to go to court, we all go to court. Right. So we'll close mechanics of faith and we go to court for a day. Like, you know, we do life together and they, and they've said it multiple times that without, without that, they said, they're not sure they would have, they would have made it. And I mean, it just, I mean, it just breaks my heart, man, to think that, you know, that they feel, I'm not saying it's true, but that they feel I'm the only support system they got. Cause I know there's tons of other people out there that support, but it just breaks my heart that 
it's so far and few between, right? Yeah, because there are two sides to every uh, scenario like that, right? It, it's uh, it, you, to your point. If if you're not creating an environment, uh, an inviting environment, the the one side of the coin, the person who needs the help, is not going to seek it uh, in a way where they're motivated because they they feel guilt or they feel embarrassed or they feel whatever they feel. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you create an environment where people are free to be who they are and uh, and get help. And that that's an, what you just described is uh, unbelievably powerful, right? Yeah, I mean, that's and that's, you know, that's what we've always tried to build at Mechanics of Faith. I mean, um, like I said, we're not a for profit shop. We're a nonprofit shop. Um, our program fees and things are strictly what it takes to keep our electricity bill paid. Right. Um, next year, we want to build a three bay shop. That's our goal. And, you know, we really want it to be a safe place, man. Um, we've had. Um, domestic violence victims that have come up there um, that we have worked on their cars and they literally just want to hang out. Um, they feel safe there. Um, we have a resource book so that if somebody says, well, I need, you know, I need shelter, you know, we can thumb through it real quick and say, okay, here's a couple contacts we can make. Uh, we've had one individual be up there hanging out and decided they, they, they wanted to go into recovery. So we drove them um to recovery i mean that that's what we're trying to build i tell everybody you know work, working on cars is great and um you know we can deep dive into that a little bit as well but we want to do more than that you know if i'm just fixing cars then i'm just another shop right that's not what i am you know i'm here mechanics of faith was founded and and, and i built this you know or or we built this because we saw the need in the community, not just for the car repairs, but for a safe place for people to come and hang out, right? For people to come and feel wanted and accepted. And, you know, we, we have folks that come up and we'll fix their cars and we'll be like, all right, you're all done. And they're like, okay. And they, they, they had the shop and we're like, um, we're closing up to leave. Oh, okay. And they're playing on the playground at the church. Um, cause we work, we work out the back of new life, uh, new life church on Osborne. Um, and, uh, you know, so they'll go play on the church playground and, and whatnot. They'll be like, we're just going to hang out, you know. So we've had quite a few folks that just come up just to hang out. And then we have folks that come up and, and want to volunteer and want to learn about, you know, the mechanics and, and how to do this and how to do that. So so I'm not familiar with Osborne Road. Where is that? Henrico. We are directly in the middle of Rockets Landing and Verona High School. Okay, I got you. Uh, so, if I don't have the money for a car repair, or I've, I've, I know I don't have money because my financials are not great. I, I don't have enough savings to, to handle a five hundred dollar or a thousand dollar car repair. I come to you. Uh, what's it like for me as, as the customer of your nonprofit services? So um, we do have we do have small program fees. Um, but we work with people, right? I mean, we have to, um, so basically what you would do is, uh, your best, the best way to reach us is mechanicsoffaith.org and you go to repair information and then service requests and submit an email. Um, the turnaround time on responding to emails is 24 to 48 hours. 
Uh, we do have an office number, but I, I mean, I have literally deleted deleted all the voicemails. We, we, we it's gotten so bad with phone calls, and 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 I say bad as far as trying to keep up with it. It's a blessing that we're there for people. But, you know, a lot of people get mad. You know, they're like, I, I tried calling five times, you know, and you got to remember these folks are in crisis, right? These folks are in crisis mode. So some of the anger and them being upset is not upset at us. It's just upset because they desperately need us and they can't reach us. Right. Uh, so we've what we've had to do is basically we have to sit down, run through the phones really fast in the voicemail system, listen to them, write down all the information we need, contact information, call back, delete. Write down all the information we need, contacts, everything, delete, and then call them back. And by the time we finish the list of 10 phone calls, I got 10 more in the queue. Yeah. E e Email's one way to do it. Uh, you could hire somebody to maybe chat with folks. Yeah. But, uh, but people, employees. I can't, I can't hire people unless I have donations. Right. No, yeah, I'm with you. You need the money to actually hire somebody. Yep. 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 I mean, we're... We've already done about 150 cars this year, um, you know, and, you know, and it's just a blessing, man. I'm, I mean, you know, folks come in and, and they need a brake job and, you know, it, they're scared to go down the street because their check engine lights on or, you know, their steering wheel shakes when they hit the brakes and we find out they just need rotors and front brakes and, you know, the program fees a hundred bucks and it includes, you know, breaks and, and installing them and, and getting you on your way, you know, that, that's a huge, that's a huge difference. Now, you know, everyone always says, well, you're charging a program fee. So how are you a nonprofit? Well, the thing is, is our program fees don't even cover all of our costs, right? Um, you know, it's really one getting the client invested, but it's also, like I said before, to pay some of our electric bill, right? Um, you know, we've already this year, we've spent a couple thousand dollars in shop supplies, whether it's gloves, brake clean, antifreeze, um, window washer fluid, you know what I mean? Like bolts and screws. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into running a shop that people don't even realize. And that's not a cost that we're going to put over into the client, right? right? That we're not, I'm not doing that. You know, I, I just want you to to help us out with, okay, your brakes were twenty five dollars. You know, I had, you know, we, you know, we've got other expenses like, like I said, electricity and things like that. But that's still, you know, that all that does is still keep my, the recovery guys still as volunteers, right? We have um, the church that I pastor helps cover their bed fees, so at least they don't have to worry about that. You know, but at the same time, eventually those guys are going to say, well, man, I got to go. I got to go get a job that's actually giving me at least a little bit of income. And right now, if I lose those two guys, I'll tell you right now, mechanics of faith, we'll be fixing two cars a week. And that's it. Right now we're fixing about eight a week. Yeah, I was going to say you're averaging over one a day for the 100, year. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah um, we pumped out three yesterday. Yeah, well, it sounds like you you've got the the demand. Yes, people have, need your services. I have more than the demand, and I mean, we've partnered up with other nonprofits so that their clientele can start coming to us. Um, we've partnered with other nonprofits that um, do their car donations through us, so vehicles can actually be donated to us. 
um, and then given to, you know, uh, refugee families, given to um, recovery folks that are needing to get to and from work, given to, you know, and then, of course, Mechanics of Faith, we have our own veterans, veteran program, right? So, you know, there's just, there's just a lot. And, you know, it's it's a lot to keep straight. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, man, I tried calling, you know, even me personally, like my buddies and stuff. They're like, man, I've called you for three days. And I'm like, dude, I said, I'm sorry. You know, I love you. But, you know, I've I've gone, you know, I had to go speak with a lawyer uh, with one of the guys um, to help him, you know, so we can navigate what he needs to get done um, with those issues, with, with what's going on. And, and, you know, then I had an, another guy that's, you know, needed some help over here and, and, you know, they don't have a driver's license. So I got to drive them. If I can't drive them, I got to Uber them, you know? So it's a lot, it's a lot to manage. And, but you know what? I mean, we get it done, you know, we, we get it done. Uh, and I tell everybody all the time, I said, mechanics of faith started with me and my little Nissan Versa, uh, with a roof rack on it with a toolbox and a dinky little Jack. And now we've got, we literally have 19 cars on our lot right now that need to be fixed. Mm. I've got a 21 foot mobile shop trailer that we use to, to go to churches and do oil changes. We use to go train adolescent youth down in Tidewater, how to fix cars, you know, and, you know, it, we, we've done all that, man. And we, and, you know, I went from, from really just fixing one car a week to fixing, you know, sometimes 10 a week. So, Jason, your job leading a design team, I imagine, has a ton of flexibility in it. It almost has to, given all the other things you have going on. Well, you know, my 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 guys. So, I have an administrator, Jerry. Um, she runs a lot of the show um, while I'm working my day job, and then Tony, my shop manager, runs the shop, and then my lead tech, of course, is my lead tech fixing everything, and then I've got one other gentleman, Jeff. Um, who's answering phones, scheduling everything. So, you know, a lot of my time is spent exactly what we're doing right now. What is it? Seven, you know, seven thirty at night, you know, something like that. So a lot of my time is spent after hours, you know, when I get off work and, and things of that nature. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, my lunch break, things like that. I can jump on a call, um, you know, somebody shoots me a text, you know, one of the guys might text me and say, hey, man, I need, you know, we got an issue. I'll be like, all right, I'll call you when I'm at lunch. Um, so, you know, a little bit of flexibility there, but, you know, I've still got responsibilities. I still got bills to pay. Yeah. And you got a, a wife and three kids too that need your time as well, right? Correct. Correct. So, you know, I mean, would I say I'd love to be out, you know, doing this every day and, and, and supporting the community and doing what needs to be done? I mean, absolutely. But, at the same time, like, you know, like, like my, my guys always tell me, they're like, man, Jay, like we need, we need you at the shop. We need you here every day. We need, you know, da, 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 right. And I'm like, guys, like the first, the biggest priority. I mean, if somebody, if somebody wrote me a check today for 60 or $70,000 and said, man, I believe in your mission. This I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I tell the guys all the time, I'm like my first priority outside of supporting the community is that you guys can start paying your own bed fees, that you guys can save up some money to buy a car, save up some money so that you can, you know, support your family. You know, they're my first priority. I will, I, I, God will take care of me in due time. 
But my first priority is to the recovery guys and making sure that their lives are put together and going down the right path. You know, my wife supports me. I've got a, a very strong support system. And because of my support system, it allows me to be the support system for the three guys that are at the shop every day. And, and that's where my focus is. Well, it allows you to build a better, help them build a better life for themselves, but you're also helping people that need their car to work. And instead of it costing $1,200, you're charging them 120 bucks. It sounds correct. So yeah, you're hundred percent accurate there. Um, and, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, and, and I talk about this is, you know, I'll ask you, what's the, what's the American dream? Uh, to live on a beach or just do whatever the heck you want. But work, work really hard so you, you can uh, make some choices that lead you yep. to a place that you want to be. Yeah, but what's, but what's the typical, right? White, like, you know, the, 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 the quick phrase is, you know, the house white picket fence, right? Right, all right. right. Well, I'll tell you right now that that dream isn't on a bus line. Right. Right. That dream isn't walking distance to your job. We've built this culture. We've built this lifestyle of go get yourself a house on a piece of land. Now, now don't get me wrong, not on a, a huge acreage. Right. But in a neighborhood. And then get you a car. Right. And you have a job through all of this. But nowhere does the bus come to pick you up if that car breaks down right nowhere are yes nowadays more and more people can work from home but i can tell you that the people in poverty or the people who are making just enough to pay rent or to pay that mortgage every month right just enough right they don't have the luxury of jumping on a, on a bus. 78.9% of the people in poverty rely on their own transportation, not the bus. That's unbelievable. We have 950,000 people in poverty. And you're saying Richmond Metro? Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Richmond Metro. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Look, look, you, you quote, you know, I'm trying to quote my numbers here because I forgot my laptop, but yeah, but seven, I mean, just that, just that percentage alone, 78.9%. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have dug through population calculations and, you know, all of the public information on that. And I'll tell you, I, I guarantee you that number's higher. So obviously there are no bus lines that, that are out in the counties, right? If you're, let's use Richmond as an example. Richmond has a bus line, but that bus line doesn't cover every part of Richmond. Right? Doesn't come to Mechanicsville. There's only one that goes to Shore Pump. There was a late, and, and I'm not bashing the bus line by any means because it's a great means of transportation. I have a guy I work with that, his car sits in his carport and he rides the bus really he loves it. Right? I'm not saying that. But we just donated a car to a veteran. Took her an hour and a half to get to work every day, one way, and she had to walk three blocks to catch the bus. Mm. Because look, think about it. I mean, if you really think like people are like, oh my gosh, like the bus line's so bad. We gotta fix it. I'll go, but think about it, man. 
Just think about an apartment complex, and it's got 200 people in it. Nowhere is there a bus line that can take 200 people to their job. Yeah, bus is going to fit, what, 40 people maybe? Yeah, but but I'm saying, you know, just Richmond, you know, everybody works everywhere, man. Like you might, somebody might hop the bus line and go to short pump and then, and then the same person that lives in that exact same apartment complex needs to get all the way to Powhatan, right? The same person that lives in the same apartment complex also needs to get Chesterfield. What I'm saying is there is no way to design a bus line that gets all 200 people in an apartment complex to their job every day within 30 minutes. It's not going to happen. It's unrealistic, right? Yeah. Yep. So those people who, you know, I've talked to so many, like there's a video um, on our YouTube channel, uh, Melvin, um, and really great guy. We fixed his car up for him. Uh, you know, he had scrounged up just enough um, to to basically buy this car. And he bought it and poured like another $1,000 into it and was missing rent payments. And this was before he came to us. This was like he had told me, he was like, oh, it's been a couple months since all this happened. And, and he was good with his rent and everything. But, but you know, Melvin came to us and he says, look, man, I, I, I can't even drive this thing to work. The, the power steering pulley had actually fallen off mm. um, fallen off the, the wheel, right? Off the power steering pump. It had broken. And then his rack and pinion was just leaking fluid everywhere. You know, how he, how he made it to us, I'm not even sure, right? Um, then he shows up at the doorstep and we're like, man, what can we do for you, Melvin, man? And we're talking to him and we're working through some stuff. And he just starts telling us our, his story, you know, and he was like, you know, the closest job to me, um, and I'm not going to name names, but he's like the closest job to me, you know, I, I, I tried, you know, somewhere I could walk. And he was like, I wasn't even making enough to pay my rent. And the only job, the only job I have um, close or the you know, only job I can get that makes enough money for me to pay my rent, you know, is 30 minutes away, you know, and he was like, but I got to get, you know, I got to get my kids on the bus for school. Well, school bus doesn't come and I got to be at work at eight. So how do you get your kids on the bus at seven, seven thirty and, and jump on the public transportation and get to your job by eight o'clock? Theoretically, I mean, it's 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 impossible. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and again, that's that's not a that's not a, a smack in the face to the, the public transportation system, because, like I said, an apartment complex with 200 people ain't happening. Too many people, too many different jobs. I mean, jobs are spread out everywhere, man. I mean, I used I used to work in Fredericksburg. I used to commute 45 minutes. Yeah, I know people that commute two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So so, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is, is we have this major problem with keeping people safe. And, and that's our focus. Keeping people safe. You come to me and you want your car lowered. Don't get me wrong. I've lowered hundreds of cars. I've got air rod suspension on cars. I've done lift kits. I've done, you know, but that's not what we're doing. We're, we're making cars safe for people. Right. You come to me and your front brakes, we've got all the tools that everybody else does. You know, we check your front brakes, your front brakes look good, but your tie rods messed up. But you're like, well, I wanted brakes. And I go, well, your brakes look good. Let's take a look at them. Like we look at them and we're like, your brakes are good. Like, 
you know, but your sway bar links are really bad. Like that's what we need to fix. And then we also step into education where, you know, customers who want to, not all of them, but customers who want to can go, well, what's a sway bar link and what's it supposed to be like, right? We've got old broken ones in the shop that we've cleaned up and saved so that we can share it with you and say, here's what it's supposed to do. What's a CV axle boot? So many people are ripping their CV axle boots and they have no clue what they're, what it even does, how it even works with the car. So we're also educating people so that when they go to get a state inspection or they go to a shop and the shop says, hey, you need brakes, you can say, all right, well, can I see them? You know, and, and when you look at them, you understand why the shop told you you needed brakes. Right. Now, I mean, I'm not saying we're trying to build a system where, you know, people can start going into shops going, you're lying to me. But at the same regards, like, you know, I was always taught at a young age, you know, don't you know, question things, right? If I go in somewhere for a state inspection and they tell me my brakes are bad and I say, well, can I see them please? You know, and I know what I'm looking at and I know like, can you hand me your test gauge? I want to see if these are the right specs based on, you know, state requirements. You know, nobody's, nobody's, you know, just people being more knowledgeable, right? That's all it is. Or understanding that if you've got a certain kind of brake pad from a certain part store, you have a warranty with them. Ask for your brakes back if a shop puts them on so you can take them back and get your money back. I mean, you know, it's simple stuff like that. It, it's, it's you know, like I said, it's a safe place for people to come and hang out, right? Learn about cars, get your car fixed. Um, you know, it, you know, like I tell the, the recovery guys, if you don't have to work that day, instead of sitting at the house, right, and, and YouTubing and sitting on your phone and just overthinking things, come to the shop and hang out. Let us, we'll teach you how to work on some cars, you know, and then, and then some folks, you know, we've taught how to, you know, um, one guy, Dimitri, um, this was back when we first got started, came to us, um, you know, he was sofa surfing, uh, you know, came from a, a broken home, um, and, you know, his car was kind of his, his means of relief, you know, get, getting away from bad situations and he was working and, Really good kid, man. Just really trying to do right, like us, uh, do life right. And you know, he um, it was like three thousand dollars for a transmission for his car. And you know, again, everybody picks on me because I'm what you call a shade tree mechanic, which means I didn't go to some fancy tech school or anything like that. I just I've learned from doing. And I said, man, bring that thing over here. Let me look at it. And I pulled the uh, transmission pan pan down and um. I'm sorry, uh, oil pan down. Um, and I'm checking over some things. I cleaned some things out, um, changed, you know, check some sensors, clean some sensors, put a new oil pan on it. Um, got the oil pressure, right. Um, uh, put a new tire on the back of it. That was two and a half years ago. He's still driving the same car and I fixed it for 50 bucks. Yeah. But yeah. And without you, he would have had no clue. I mean, he was like, he was like, there's no way he was like, I, I was ready to hand the keys over and say, I don't have $3,000 here to keep my car. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people would have taken advantage of him or tried to. Yeah. I mean, but again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to, to say people are doing things wrong. I think everybody's doing the best that they can and doing what, you know, what, again, there's regulations and there are rules that people have to do. I mean, for us, I, I'll give you an example. We got a car on the lot right now. You hook the scan tool up to it. 
Nothing. It, it says not, it says the car should be running, should be driving, should be nothing wrong with it. Mm. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a wiring issue because that car is all kinds of messed up, right? No, no fire. So when you turn the key, it won't start and kick over. So it's not getting any fire. Fuel pumps pumping fuel to it. But according to this little this, and, and I don't have a cheap fancy scansel. We we have a donor who donates really nice scansels to us um, every couple of years and upgrades them. And Scantle says that car is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, so, so we'll, you know, but because me and the, and, and my other two, my shop manager and my lead tech, they both have 40 years experience. Right. So, so we start tracing, chasing wires down. Sure enough, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a coal pack that's got a wiring issue and we fix the wiring issue. The car starts right up, you know, but those are things that, you know, some places don't have the time you know, to do, I, I got a, a good friend of mine works at a shop and, and same thing. He's, you know, he, he's, he's called me and I call him for help. He's like, man, Jay, like, I don't have time to trace this down. Like, you know, the, the customer's going to end up paying me 300 bucks if I have to do this, man. And, and, and that's just to figure it out, you know, because that's, it's a lot of money, Yeah. you know, running a shop is it's, it's a lot of money and mechanics of faith is able to step in and help some of these people that just they don't have the money to go pay, you know, a, a shop that's got all this overhead, you know, and that's and that's like I said, I've got I've got buddies in the automotive industry that send people to me because they're going, Jason, I, I can't figure this out. If I spend more time on the car, I know I can figure out, especially especially one of my good friends. I know for a fact if he could spend five hours on a car, he'd figure it out. But he's like, I don't have the time. Well, we're a nonprofit, Right. I'm not, I'm not in this to make money. I'll spend 10 days on your car trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Right. And not charge you and not charge you a penny, you know, cause I'll get some volunteers out there to learn and, and, and learn some things, you know, and we'll use your car as a learning tool, but, but also don't bring me your car and expect me to fix it in, in an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that all makes sense. Uh, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's, you're helping as many people as you can. I assume you plan to grow if you can. Yeah, man. I mean, we need, we need 300 to $500,000 a year to operate. And that, that would get us to help in about 300 to 500 individuals, you know, and, and, and really it's not, it's not fixing cars, right? It's, it's giving people their, their independence back. Right. I mean, just, just, I tell everybody, I said, I tell you what, tomorrow morning, when you get up, get your kids on the bus, get your coffee. When you get in your car, pretend like your car doesn't start. And I want you to sit there for about 10 seconds and think about, you have to get to work. Your mortgage is due in a week. You have no food on the table. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid on Friday. You potentially could lose your job. Who do you know that you could call right there in one drop of a hat that would come pick you up and take you to work, right? Because that's what these folks are doing. Like, I have people that are like, Jason, I have literally spent my entire month's rent Ubering around because I can't get my car fixed, right? And I tell folks, too, like, one of our huge pushes right now it's our 25 challenge 25 just a 25 dollar a month donation can help 
keep a car running for a whole year. Uh, since you mentioned that, how, how do people donate? So if you go to mechanicsoffaith.org, you can click on donate and you can make a donation that way. We also have a link on our website at uh, mechanicsoffaith.org called 25 Challenge 25. And that will automatically dump you into the portal um, to commit to 25 or more um, monthly giving. It's automatically set up to automatically come out of your credit card on your credit card every single month um, for that monthly giving. That's what we need. If we can get more individuals to understand that just, I mean, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. I mean, you know, I, I've got all that stuff. It's 30 bucks a month, right? And I'm like, wait a second. All these cool streaming things that I have, right? For the same price that I pay for all my streaming network um, systems, I can make sure a family can get to and from work and put food on the table. Well, that's better than any, that's better than any entertainment system that I can get, in my opinion, knowing yeah. that I'm helping a family. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I'm glad uh, you shared that. And hopefully this leads to more uh, donations. All right, I'm, I'm going to totally change directions on you, Jason. Sure. Imagine you're a talk show host. You get to do it one time. You get to invite uh, three or four uh, people, or one of them actually can be a group. Uh, but it's one time only. These guests can be alive or dead. They can be uh, friends of yours, family members. They can be complete strangers. Your show can be about uh, education. It can be pure entertainment. It can be a mix of whatever you want it to be. One male, one female, one musical act. So it could be a soloist or a group. Uh, and then if you're in the comedy, a comedian. Uh, who do you have on your one time only talk show? You're you're the host. You're interviewing them. You get to talk to these folks. Oh my gosh! Did that just blow your mind. It's meant to be a little more revealing about who you are. This question. I'd have to say, if you would have asked me this a long time ago, it would have been totally different than it is now. I would probably say Billy Graham. Yeah, he'd be a fascinating interview. But let right? me. But let me. But but can I elaborate? Sure. But there's a reason why. And it's not because probably people are like, oh, it's because he's a pastor. It's because I would want to have a conversation with him around why he pastors the way that he does, but also how he connects with people, right? He, he was very good, um, you know, in my opinion, people are probably going to throw stones at me, but Martin Luther King, right? The, the way that they could, him and, and others connected with the community, right? Like, like Billy Graham preached in front of stadiums, right? But that, but, but what people don't realize is that was amazing. Bet you he could name everybody in that stadium, right? Like, like that's the important part. And that's, that's even me as a pastor at my church, Cars in Christ. I know Cars in Christ, Mechanics of Faith, it gets confusing, but but I've always told myself, you know, I want to be the person that pe that I, I still connect with everybody, right? And I know, I mean, you get busy, so I'm not saying like, you know, you could call Billy Graham and at the drop of a hat, he's going to call you back, right? But to me and, and, and things that I've read about him and stuff, he was the one that's like, oh, I'm inviting 30 people from my church over for a barbecue. Like, that's the conversation I want to have with him. How'd you have that backyard 
you know, conversation. He, he was, he was, he was, a, he was an evangelist, not, you know, not some pastor that really felt like he was on the, on, on stage. Right. Yeah. Yep. Is that the only question you had? No, but that's one male. I need three more guests, man. I need a female. I need a musical group. And if you're into comedy, you can give me a comedian. Uh, musical, musical group. Man, I should know this. I've, I ran the DJ business for 15 years. <laughs> That's of course, actually, that's of actually, course you did, Jason. Yeah, man, mechanic, I'm a music entertainer, man. I've done over 500 weddings. Um, man, musical group, the Rat Pack. Okay, nice. I like that. You're, uh, yeah, you, you're pretty young to come up with the Rat Pack. Oh man, I love me some Dean Martin, Frankie. Oh man, love it. Um. Female, right? Female, then if you a comedian, if you are into comedy like that. Kevin Hart would be my comedian. Okay. Yeah, he's a hilarious guy. My goodness. Um, a female. Any female? Yeah, any female. Can be a, can be a family member. Alive or dead. Oh, I didn't realize I could do family members live or dead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, maybe no, I was, that, that might've been while I was breaking up and got disconnected. Oh, um, you're, good. you're good. Man, I don't know. A female. Ooh. Oh, what is her name? Oh my gosh. Oh, I would love to interview her. Oh. From Fuller House, from Full House. Oh, I know you're. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, um, that's who I'd want to interview, man. You're saying Full Fuller House? She was also in Full House. Full House, yeah, yeah. She's the she's the star of Fuller House, though. But oh, dude, I I would love to interview her, man. All right, hold on. I'm I'm gonna. I can't believe I neither one of us can come up with it. Oh man. You're talking about Candace Cameron. Yes, 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 yes. I would love to interview her, man. Yeah, she's uh, she's a fascinating person and uh, a very powerful voice. No, no question. She's done a she's done a lot of cool stuff, man. A lot of cool stuff. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, uh, Jason, you're you're a busy dude. Uh, so let's wrap up with you. If you're if you're comfortable doing it, tell me about your wife and kids. Uh, my wife is, is, um, an amazing woman. We actually went to high school together, reconnected later. Uh, um, and I, um, you know, uh, we reconnected later in life and, you know, she's just awesome, man. She's my support system. She's my rock. Um, without, without her, this, none of this would be plausible, right? I mean, first and foremost, I give it glory to God, but but my wife is, is, is second, you know, without that support system, my kids as well. I got three beautiful girls, you know, they, you know, my, my kids are even saying things like dad, I want to help people in the community like you do, you know? And then that just, it, it's just amazing, man. Without that support, it, none of this, none of this would be happening right now. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, you are uh, maybe the one, one of the busiest people I've ever met. Everybody tells me I'm too busy. 
But well, I mean, I, I'm thinking about how do you pack in all the stuff we talked about, and then you throw out 500 weddings as a DJ. What? I was actually DJing for um, uh, Richmond um, Christian Academy on Thursday night. Wow. Look, man, it, it's it's one of the like I tell folks, you know, it, it's not about you know one of the things you can't get back is time, so use it wisely. Um, and everybody's like, man, you probably don't sleep. You probably, you know, it's weird, man. I, like some days I feel like I don't know how I get everything done. And then, you know, other days I'm like sitting around my house at eight o'clock at night and I'm like, I know there's something I need to be doing, but it's, you know, everything I'm supposed to be doing falls into place. I may not always be available over the phone. I may take longer to fix somebody's car, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, if you truly need me um, or need one of my team members, we're going to be there the, to help you the best that we can. Um, you know, and, and we just keep chugging along, man. If I missed you, if I missed you on Tuesday, I'll catch you tomorrow. You know, one of one of my uh, Tony, my shop manager, tells me all the time. He was like, he's like, man, if you're mad at me today, don't worry about it. We'll just try again tomorrow. <laughs> that's a, that's a good uh, way to think about it. I like yeah. that. All right, cool, Jason. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for what you do for your community, man. I, I know you're you're doing very, very important work for a lot of people. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I wish uh, uh, I'll challenge myself and others to uh, rise to your level, man. <laughs> Not my level, his level. Uh, right on, right on. All right, All right cool. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.